Well, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9 today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 9. And the title of the message is, The Wonders of Grace. The Wonders of Grace. And I know you've heard the statement before, preaching to the choir, so to speak. Well, I know that most of us today have heard dozens of sermons on grace, but we can't hear it enough. Amen? So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 9. The scripture says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive again together. With Christ, by grace, you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For, great, for by grace you have been saved through faith, in that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Lord Jesus, we come to you. And Father, we've been able to worship you this morning through song. God, we've been able to go through the Sunday school hour to be able to learn of your word and Lord, to be able to apply it to our lives. And now we just ask that you'd take your word and you would speak to our hearts, Lord God, today. Father, I know that every last one of us most likely have heard about your wonderful grace. And so the question today is, Lord, have we received that precious free gift? And Lord God, are we walking in light of that awesome gift? And Lord, being, Lord God, true, just obedient recipients of that awesome gift, Lord. God, we just pray you'd be with us. Lord, we ask once more that you'd remove the enemy and any other spirit other than the Holy Spirit. God, you cleanse me from anything that would hinder your word and you speaking through me. And God, just open our hearts, minds, and ears. In Jesus' name, amen. As we think about grace today and the wonders of grace, I want to start first this morning telling you grace is unmerited, isn't it? Grace is unmerited. Listen to what he says here in verse 9. He says, For where grace you've been saved, uh, this is verse 8, through faith and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not, he says, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. In other words, grace is totally unmerited. You can't work for it. You can't purchase it. You can't do enough good and too little bad to be able to get it. It's totally unmerited. It is truly what it says, an actual gift. Amen? I don't know if you've ever thought about this before or not, but every religion in the entire world other than Christianity, every other religion is centered really around one word. you know what that word is? Do. Works. Same word. Do. Work. Do this. Don't do that. Do this. Do this. Do. And it's all centered around the word do, isn't it? But you know, Christianity is also centered around one word in my opinion, and that's this word, done. Amen? Because Jesus, when he went to the cross of Calvary and suffered and bled to death and suffered such a horrible death as the perfect Lamb of God, one who never did anything wrong, one who never gave into temptation, he cried out. Remember, he cried out, and the Bible records it as him saying, it is finished. It is finished. 
And he wasn't talking about right then and there what was going on, amen. That was important, but he's talking about for all eternity, the work for salvation was complete. It was finished. It was done. And so we can't earn salvation. We'll never be good enough, amen. We all know that most likely by now, right? We'll never be good enough. In fact, the closer I walk with the Lord, I realize how, how wicked I really am, amen. We're not good enough. It's totally unmerited. It is a result of grace, not works. When I think about being good enough, it reminds me of Dennis the Menace. Anybody ever watch Dennis the Menace? I'll never forget Dennis and his buddy, of course, were over at Miss Wilson's house, and Miss Wilson had baked them some cookies. And Dennis's little friend said, man, can you believe how awesome this is? Man, we, we're, we must be really good that Miss, Miss Wilson would cook these cookies for us and give us this cold glass of milk. Man, we're, we must be really good. And, and Dennis, of course, looked at him and said, no, no, we're not good. Miss Wilson's good. Amen. And that's the same true for you and I, isn't it? Man, we can look around at all the blessings of God in our life and especially salvation and God's grace that He's bestowed upon us. And But we can't ever say, man, look how good we are, amen? It's totally unmerited. It's truly a gift from the Lord Himself. So grace is unmerited. Number two, I want you to see grace, I believe, is captivating, isn't it? It's captivating. When we think about it, when we realize how awesome grace is, it really truly captivates us and just controls our mind, consumes our mind, and it should because of how awesome it is. Listen to what he says here in verse 4 through verse 7. He says, But God being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead, do you remember before Jesus Christ? Do you remember before you were born again? who you were, where you were, how deep in the depths of sin you were, how wicked your, everything about your life was. You were dead in your transgressions. He says, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, salvation has secured us a place in heaven to be seated by Christ Jesus in the heavenly places, as it says right here. Verse 7 says, So that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards Christ Jesus. Man, we have been blessed. And when we realize what grace truly is, it's captivating, isn't it? It takes and grasps our attention. It has ultimately taken control of our life. Amen. That's all our life is all about now is the grace of God and how awesome that He is and His love is for us. And I love the, the description that it says here, rich in love, as He says. And, and when we were dead, man, as I've already said, unworthy, uh, not good at all, He still offered us grace. He still gave us eternal life through Jesus Christ. And that's captivating, isn't it? I know some of you guys here can relate to this story, but man, growing up, uh, I, I was not really a part of a poor family. Uh, we, were, we, were, we had food. I mean, I had clothes. But man, we weren't rich. We didn't have a whole lot. And I can remember my whole entire life growing up, I always wanted a three-wheeler. And I, can, I don't remember how old I was when four-wheelers came out. And man, I, I always wanted one. Well, rock forward, I think I was about 16 years old, something like that. I scraped up enough money. My uncle found, maybe y'all know Bobby Simpson, he's with the Lord now. He found a three-wheeler somewhere, and man, I finally scraped up enough money, bought that three-wheeler. Well, it lasted for about four or five days, and it was broke down, okay? It was old, 200X Honda, had the clutch on the, on the steering, I mean, on the uh, handlebars and everything else. And man, it broke down. I was like, great. All my life, I wanted a three-wheeler. Couldn't ever have one. Got old enough, got me one. It's broke. 
Well, rock forward all the way up till I got saved at 21, end up pastoring at Mount Olive, and I'll never forget one Christmas there. It was about 08, 07, something like that. My wife, we were going to go pick up some youth that used to be in our youth ministry over in Harrisonburg. They were meeting us in Ruston, and she insisted we had to take my pickup truck. And I'm like, why? Let's take the van. The truck gets bad gas matter. No, I need you to take the truck. So we go over there, and we meet Andrew and his parents at McKinney Honda. Where's my buddy at this morning? I can relate with that. So we get there, and we're looking around, waiting on them. And she looks at this four-wheeler. My wife says, you like that four-wheeler? I said, yeah. I said, it's nice. She said, well, it's yours. And I was like, what? She said, it's yours. And it's Christmas time, right? She had bought Of course, I got a payment book with it, guys. <laughs> that was another gift. But, man, I'll never forget the next several days as Christmas unfolds. I don't know about you, but I travel to lots of different homes, okay? And I'll never forget, I had back then a flip phone, I believe it was, and I was even looking pictures of it. I was captivated by this gift. I'd wanted it all my life, and I couldn't wait when I first got deer blood on it, guys and gals that like the deer hunt. Man, I was so overjoyed by this gift. But how much more captivating than the fact that I was dead in my trespasses and sins, going straight to hell, deserving hell, wicked, everything under the book, but Jesus would give me the precious gift of life, eternal life, and even abundant life this side of eternity. That's captivating, isn't it? And we need to realize how awesome it is. We need to be reminded of that. All too often we get used to it. In fact, that same four-wheeler right now, I think it's an 05 model. I said 08 while ago. It's 05. It's still sitting in my garage right now, and I still take it and, and put deer blood on it. Amen? But I don't go out there and look at it anymore. I just thought about this. I don't go look at it much anymore. I take care of it. I service it. But I hadn't been on it since probably late January. It's sitting out there. It's got a stack of old golf clubs I bought from somebody the other day. My son's picked up golf and went crazy over it. I bought an old set of golf clubs. That's sitting there. It's dusty. It's not as captivating. Does that make sense? Sometimes we let that happen with grace. We don't realize it's still just as awesome today. Amen? Sometimes we just get used to that guilt and kind of let it sit aside, right? Not, not even recognize how awesome it is. Yes, ma'am. It is truly captivating, is it? Third of all this morning, I want you to see this. Grace is not only unmerited and captivating, but it's unconditional. Praise God, it's unconditional. Listen to what he says. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world. In other words, he's addressing the Ephesians and drawing attention to God's beautiful grace and God's mercy and saying, you formerly walked according to the course of this world. In other words, you were just like this world. You were just as dirty. You were just as rotten. You were just as sinful. According to the prince of the power of the air. In other words, according to the devil, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived. We weren't just accidentally from here and there falling into sin. No, we lived in it, in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And so that just brings attention today as he draws near to our verse 8 that we've heard and quoted time and time again and most likely used and witnessed in other folks about how God's grace is so awesome and, and how all this, man. But listen, we've got to realize that it is truly unconditional. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, God is still offering grace to you. Man, I've been watching here recently and, and man, I praise God 
Uh, I know I said this last two Sundays ago when I was here. I praise God for what's happening right now, especially with the murder of these precious babies where I believe God is saving babies' lives and everything else. But as I was watching, uh, reading a news deal the other day, I watched and there was, a, a, you know how they have the picture and under they'll have the caption where there's a, a Christian uh, or professed Christian who's out there and he is, of course, protesting and then there's the other side protesting. Well, his sign says, repent or perish. And listen, I agree with that sign 100%. But they need to hear more than that. Because the outside world really don't even know what repent means anyway. They need to hear, before they hear repent or perish, they need to hear, listen, Jesus loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter how much guilt you're weighed down with, no matter how much terrible things that are in your life right now, God unconditionally loves you and He desires a relationship with you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to love you. He wants to walk with you. And then, hey, if you choose to, they want to talk about choice, if you choose to reject that gift, that love of the Father, you will perish. Amen? You gotta, we need to have the whole thing. Man, we don't need to have just high, signs hanging up. Hey, you're going to hell. They need to hear the whole story. Amen? They need to hear the Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. That, listen, yes, you've done terrible. And yes, you have agreed with murdering babies. You, you agree with homosexuality. You agree with adultery. You agree with all the drug abuse and everything else and all the other sin that we can name right now. Man, you may agree with all that and live in every bit of it. But God loves you anyway totally unconditional, more than you can imagine. We can't even comprehend how great He loves us. In fact, I love, as I already mentioned that a while ago, Christ rich in His love and great. Man, He, he loves us, and thank God it's unconditional. Thank God He doesn't look at us and say, well, man, I love Him, but man, look at you. I, I, just, I just don't think I can love you. We've seen that in movies. We've heard heartbreaking stories of marriages and this and that or people being heartbroken because somebody didn't love them and everything else. But listen, that story don't happen with Jesus. He loves each and every one of us, no matter how wicked, no matter how terrible we are. Now that doesn't erase the fact, as I've already mentioned, if, if you reject Christ's love and God's gift of grace, you will spend eternity in hell, but not because He don't love you. Because His grace is unconditional. It is offered to everyone. Amen? Uh, there's something, and I, I know I've probably brought this up a time or two here, but there is a, I'm, I'm going to say, a demonic evil teaching. And it's rampant in, in lots of evangelical churches right now. It's called Calvinism, and it's the doctrine of election. People believe that God chooses only certain people to be saved, and the rest of them are going to hell. Well, thank God that's a lie. That God loves every last one of us. That He longs for everyone to be saved. That each one would be born again. Thank God for that. Amen. It's totally unconditional. It's for everybody that would choose to accept Him. And then fourth of all this morning, I've just got two more points. I want you to realize this, that grace is a gift of great responsibility. It's a gift, yes, but it is a gift of great responsibility. I know growing up, most likely many of y'all can relate to this story. You asked and asked for a pet, whether it was a dog, whether it was a cat. God forbid if you wanted a cat. Come on now. A horse, a goldfish. Man, you, you most likely can relate to some time in your life, you either have one now or you wanted a pet growing up. You wanted one. 
And I remember, man, my first dog, it was a black and white Heinz 57. His name was Mutton. I don't even know how that name came about. But I'll never forget, I was so glad to get that dog. But as the days turned into weeks and the weeks turned into months, I figured out that gift came with some responsibility. I had to feed him. I had to fix the holes on the fence where he dug. I had to do all kinds of stuff. It came with some responsibility. And a lot of times I would neglect it. Mom and Dad, did you water mutton? Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I'd lie. I didn't water him. I was too lazy or too busy doing something else. Well, listen, the same as that gift came with responsibility, man, this gift of grace comes with great responsibility. We've got to handle this gift. Number one, we need to be sharing it with folks, don't we? You need to be sharing the love of God and the grace of God with others and the mercy of God that I mentioned just a moment ago. We need to go out and share the whole counsel of God, the full gospel that folks might be able to hear it and receive and respond. Amen? But it also comes with responsibility in how we live our life, doesn't it? How we handle this gift, how we choose to live our lives now. And notice I love it says you, in verse 2, in which you formerly walked. I love it. And then it says in verse 3, among them we too all formerly lived. In other words, that's the past. We no longer live that way. Now because of this great gift of grace, we are responsible and we handle it the right way. Listen to this, Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, verse 20, notice what this says here. I'm going to go all to chapter 6, verse 2. He says, <clears throat> the law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, and I love this, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But it doesn't stop there. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? In other words, listen, you and I, when we get born again, when we get saved, we accept the gift of grace, it comes with a great responsibility. How can we ever go back to our old life? How can we ever go back to just living in the former days, as he said a while ago, indulging in the, in, in the lust and, and in the flesh? How can we ever go back to that? It comes with great responsibility, doesn't it? And I can't help but listen turn to Hebrews chapter 10. This is a passage of scripture that, man, I'm telling you, I can't expound on it the way I believe that we need to be able to. All I know is it is a warning and is instruction that you and I handle this precious gift of grace right and responsibly. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26, listen, it says this, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which, and that blood he's referring to was Jesus' blood, the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That right there, son, will get your attention. Amen? 
you accept God's free gift of grace, you wallow all in it and be thankful for every bit of it. Amen. You just bask in it. But remind yourself that it comes with great responsibility of how we handle this the rest of our days. Amen. Now I want to clarify this. Is that passage telling you today that you can lose your salvation and that grace be removed? No. There's too many passages of Scripture that tells us we have eternal life, not temporary life. There's too many passages of Scripture that tells us that we're sealed by the precious Holy Spirit of God until the day of judgment. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And sealed means it's done. It's settled. Amen? It's taken. It's, it's done for. Uh, and of course, I love to bring up the Scripture where Jesus says, No one can pluck them out of my Father's hand. or nobody, No one can pluck them out of my hand. Neither can they pluck them out of my Father's hand. Who is greater than who? All the devil, yourself, and everybody else. So praise God, it doesn't mean you lose your salvation, but I promise you today it's a warning of great discipline and disappointment to the Lord of how we handle this precious gift of grace. Amen? And then last of all this morning, and this is extremely important. We've talked about, of course, grace being unmerited. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. It's captivating. It's the greatest gift of all eternity. Would you agree? There's no greater gift. It's unconditional. Praise God. No matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, God offers grace to me. Even me. No matter how wicked I am, He offers it to me. And then it comes with great responsibility. But today we've got to know this. Grace is totally optional. It's totally optional. It's an option. Today, man, I can't tell you how many people I have sat across from and shared Christ with, who have this, I'm serious, they have this understanding or thought that they were just born into grace. The Mormon church is extreme on it, which is a cult, by the way. But even in Baptist and non-denominational, and I'm certain in Bible churches, people think for some, and I know why, that the devil makes them believe this and brainwashes them into believing that they're just born into grace. No, it is a choice. Once again, right now we live in a generation and people are, are just all about choice, all about choice. Well, there's a choice that they do have, that every last one of us have, and that's God's grace or God's wrath. It's a choice. It's totally optional. It, it don't just come because you're born in America or born in a Christian family or, or whatever else that you might would think of today. It's truly optional. You have to choose to receive it on the basis of faith. It's totally optional. No one's going into heaven just because of who they are or where they were born or what family they were born into or what country they were born into. The only people in heaven are those who have chosen the option of God's grace and rejected the option of wrath. Amen? And so today, I ask you this unbelievable important question. I know all of us, especially now, we've heard about God's grace. We know of this precious gift. The question is, have we received it today? Because once again, man, we can know all day long about grace. We can know all about God. We can be educated to the point of where we impress people when we open our mouth about the things of God. But until we receive the gift of God's grace, you don't really know God. Amen? 
and you sure won't ever get into heaven without it. The Bible even says this. It says the demons believe and even tremble. It's not enough just to believe about believe God is real and believe He exists and know all these things. Man, you've got to receive His precious gift of grace today. And of course, I turn our, our attention back to verse 8. One of the most quoted verses, most likely, in sharing the gospel. Right there with the Roman road often. In verse 8 it says, For grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Romans 6.23 says that wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Have you ever received that precious gift? Have you ever truly turned to the Lord in biblical repentance, letting go of everything, of all control, you being in charge, and turned in repentance, allowing Him to really become Lord of your life, and asking and receiving forgiveness of your sins, receiving grace. Have you ever done that? 